From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 441. Today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Text Expander, and Capital One. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very good, my friend. I'm very good indeed. I have a Snow Talk question for you to begin today's Ooh, episode of the okay. show. It comes from Michael, who wants to know, does Jason cut his pizzas into six or eight slices, and does he use a pizza cutter or a knife to achieve this? Are we back on the pizza? We're back on the pizza question, we huh? We talk about pizza a lot on the show, sometimes oh. during sponsored content. but Sometimes during sponsored content. Upgrade Plus uh, subscribers may not hear that content, mm-hmm. but it's there. The answer is eight. I cut pizza into eight slices. Okay. Uh, in part because it's the most logical thing to do, and in part because I have, when they're all home, a family of four, and that gets two pieces to everybody. Yeah. So yeah, you 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 slice it half half season, and then you slice it the other half season. Now you've got four giant unwieldy pieces of pizza, and so then you slice it at a you know rotated a little. You slice the half season again, two more times, and you got eight pieces of pizza. It's the right way to do it. That's, I, I, I'm not going to, people will debate, you know, pineapple if we need to, but uh, there's no debate. Somehow, I, my, I feel like, I feel like the judgment of John Syracuse is hovering over me right now. It's very strange. Uh-huh. Um, the, anyway, and uh, I use a pizza cutter. I use the Xylus pizza cutter available on Amazon. Maybe we'll put a link in the show notes. It is a f- weird thing where it's like a big, uh, stainless steel circle cutting blade inside a plastic holder mm-hmm. um so it grips really well and uh is great for cutting pizza or uh quesadillas or anything else that you might need to cut uh in a radial fashion i have a pizza cutter similar to this made by a company called joseph and joseph and mm-hmm. it, it looks kind of like yours that it's like the wheel but with the plastic thing you can hold on the top and you can just wheel it along and put your full force into it which is the good thing as opposed to the one that has the handle on it i feel like i'm able right. to put more force into the cutting mm-hmm. of the pizza yeah uh, i prefer smaller slices of pizza so i am on board of you with the eight slice rather right. than six slice you know although i should be i, I want to be clear here because i've heard and not you but i've heard people say this that they think the slice is like the atom of pizza. But of course, the slice scales with the size of the pizza. If you cut eight pieces, eight slices mm-hmm. out of a small pizza or a large pizza, the slices change size, right? Yes. So so uh, when people say, I prefer one piece or one slice, two slices or whatever, like, mm, well, you're going to get uh, a slice. So if you had an enormous, let, let me put it this way. If uh-huh. I had a... A, a pizza the size of my dining room table, I would probably cut it into more than yes. eight. Yeah. Although at that point, that's why they do in Chicago, they do that uh, party cut thing. I'm, I'm sure Detroit and I'm sure there are I other like places that. that do this where where they cut it. They, they give up beyond a certain point. They give up because the slices are going to be very long and narrow. And so they start cutting them into squares, essentially. But if you're if you're maintaining the, the uh, fundamental dignity of a circular pizza um, at some point, it will, as it enlarges, it will become unwieldy, and that involves a lot of math involving pie, and uh, not just the pizza, pizza pie, pie, but the actual number of pie. <laughs> and we're not going to get into that because this is not a podcast about math. Thankfully, because I'm bad at it, so it wouldn't be a very good. Po- it wouldn't be a very uh, educational podcast because I'm not good at math. 
If you would like to send in a Snow Talk question of your own, we have a new way for you to do that. But another oh. way that you can do it is question mark Snow Talk in the Relay FM members Discord. You can send out a tweet with the hashtag Snow Talk. But let's talk about the brand new way that you can send in uh, feedback for the show. So let's do it. On the Relay FM website now, for every show that is currently using this, we're developing this tool. Some shows are using it, some aren't, but hopefully over time, more shows will be. There is a new button that says uh, submit feedback, and you can send it opens a form on our website where you can write your thoughts, comments, send in your follow-up, whatever it is, and it goes into our system so we can read that before the beginning of every uh, episode each week and pick out what we want to talk about. We actually kind of mentioned on the last episode that it might be available, and it did, like, I think on Tuesday. So we actually got quite a bit of feedback for this episode, so there's some follow-up I've got here, and so also... Uh, I believe this Snow Talk question and I think all of today's uh, Ask Upgrade questions were submitted via the new feedback tool. So it's in the link of the show notes for every episode, but you can also go at any time to upgradefeedback.com and it takes you to the the form. You gotta have URLs, man. I'm all about it. You want? I, I love it that you bought a domain for this. I, that's a yeah. surprise, genuine surprise to me, and I don't know why I should be surprised that there's uh, upgradefeedback.com. Of course, there is. I like URLs. I, I think that they help. I, I know people remember things. Who needs slashes? No one. You, wants you, you say a slash, and you've already lost. Yeah. If it's a horror film, that's fine. But otherwise, no slashes mm. around here. You know what I mean? So horrorfilm.com. We recommend that you use this now for follow-up and ask upgrade and snow talk. Hey, Mike, what if there was a top-level domain that was dot .slash? Would that, that be confusing? I would love that, actually. I would A-T-T- buy a lot of those. HTTP colon slash slash, but not the word slash. Dot slash. Um, upgrade dot slash, but not the character slash, the word slash. Okay. Not the guitarist from Guns N' Roses slash. Dot slash. Off, actually, he can run topic it. Here, Jason. He, he can run the dot slash in. top level domain. He could. Bring you in, in. Okay, come on. We, we guitarist dot slash. We're on focus here. So you can okay. use the new feedback tool to send in anything you want in the future because we're developing this as part of our uh, CMS and website. In the future, we're going to have like probably like a drop down so you could say, this is Ask Upgrade, this is Snow Talk. People have been very kindly saying right now, but you don't have to worry about it. You can let us decide for the time being. Uh, um, nice. This is very much a 1.0 of this feature. Uh, but going forward... This and the Discord will be the best places to send feedback and questions. I would say, like, for the moment, at least, this is the best way to send in follow-up for the show, I think, for, for us. Um, so yeah. we'd really directly. appreciate it if you used it. And if you have any thoughts about the system, also feel free to put those in a feedback for us. Sure. So thank you to everybody who has already tested out the system and thank you to all of you that will use it. This is, you know, we've been talking about this on and off, but especially for me uh, not being on Twitter anymore and not using Mastodon, I want to make sure that we still have a good free way for people to send in feedback to the show. So uh, we worked on this at Relay FM, and here it is. Jason, should we tell people about the Upgrade Plus Challenge segment? I think... I think we should just to clue them in on what we're doing here. And one is under one, one is being undertaken even as we speak, although you can't tell. I assure you, uh, it is. Mm-hmm. So we have a new recurring segment on Upgrade Plus. It starts this week, and we'll probably do this at least once a month, but maybe in an increasing 
uh, uh, frequency where we're going to pick a challenge that we will complete as part of Upgrade Plus. Thanks to our innovative friends at Dubai Friday and Reconcilable Differences um, for pioneering the challenge format on podcasts. So the challenge for this week's episode was to use and is to use free form for our show notes planning. So this came from a conversation that Jason and I had uh, between the two of us and you were saying that, you know, you tried out Freeform and you weren't really sure how to use it. And so you said, what if we use this to plan an episode of the show? So here we are. Um, Mac Power Users just did this for their Freeform episode as well, which I listened to in preparation for this episode. To be clear, we came up with this idea separate from MPU. Mm hmm. Um, and in fact, when I mentioned to David Sparks, when I visited him, that we were thinking of doing this, he said, oh, we just did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right, fair enough. But we're, we're doing it now. This episode, if it seems disorganized or especially extra greatly organized, it's because we are using a different tool for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll report on our feelings about it after the show is over at the end of Upgrade in the Upgrade Plus segment for members. So that's where it'll be. And then what will happen after that? Like I said, I think last week, um, listening to your State of the Apps on uh, Cortex, I was thinking about how I need to get more out of my comfort zone with stuff because I've got such a refined, let's say, uh, suite of tools that I use every day. I like the idea of being pulled out of my comfort zone, either by you challenging me or by me challenging myself, but to do things differently or use different apps or whatever. So uh, we don't know what form this will take. We really don't. Uh, But uh, we are starting it now and it will not even be every week. It will be an occasional recurring segment in Upgrade Plus, uh, but hopefully uh, no less than one a month. Yeah, it will be. It will be recurring. Like this is the beginning of a new part of Upgrade Plus. So we'll still be doing yeah. the typical things where we we bring up different types of content, but this is going to be like a structured thing that we do every now and again. If you want Upgrade Plus, go to getupgradeplus.com. That's another URL, Jason. That I got. I know that that one's been around. That's not a surprise domain though. Uh, getupgradeplus.com. You can sign up, and we'll appreciate your support, and we hope you enjoy this additional content. I have just a couple of pieces of follow-up before we get on with, a, I think, a pretty packed show today. There's been I a can't lot. tell. Is that, is, are we doing that based on the surface area in, <laughs> in, in Freeform? We're not talking about Freeform now. Okay, sorry. Okay, none okay. of that. Right. All right. Uh, Josh wrote in to let us know that titanium can, in fact, be anodized. We were talking about this on the last episode, and I was wondering if Apple moved to titanium, would the colors have to change for uh, the phones if they moved to titanium on the iPhone? Uh, apparently, they can not only be anodized, the colors can be quite vibrant. So it seems like that they can make that work for them if they wanted to. And spoilers for our next segment, but there's a rumor that that's what they're doing is titanium for the iPhone Pro. Hmm. hmm. And Apple's Q1 results are coming on February 2nd. It has been announced. Oh, yeah. That's going to be... What a day that's going to be. Gonna be. <laughs> I can't Ooh. wait. I'm really Ooh. excited about it. Like, I, I always am, but yeah. I, I feel like with all the headlines and with all the warnings... um what Apple has done is is we're going to say that it's a bloodbath, but in some ways the bloodbath has already happened because yes. everybody expects it to be bad. And of course, it's like Wall Street. Sorry, every sorry investors. Wall Street's like gambling, uh, in the sense that it's it's all about like you get the information and you make your choices. And so everybody in in uh this on the street has heard all the bad news, so the stock has gone down because they're like, okay, well, bad news is coming. They're anticipating the bad news. So 
what that might mean is in February 2nd, even though the numbers look bad, Wall Street may may react positively to it because it might not be as bad as they thought it would be. So that's going to be even more interesting to see. And how is Apple spinning what's happened in the month since the end of the quarter? If they say, look, by the end of December, we were back online and things are going great. And that would buoy the the stock and how Apple is viewed in the market. So it, it's going to be, I think, the most interesting Apple results uh, release in years, mm-hmm. really. So yep. can't wait to see it. But as is typical for this show, whatever Wall Street say, we don't care about. We're in, you know, what we're intrigued in is how they tell this story. Like, yes. how are they going? How is Apple, when pushed, going to tell the story of their terrible, horrible, no good quarter? Right. And so I'm fascinated. Yeah, exactly. And that is, I know that. I mean, there are definitely people who invest in in Apple and care about Apple as a stock, mm-hmm. who read my stuff and listen to our podcasts, and that's fine. But yes, I think it's important to say that that's not the lens we use. The stock price is not the lens we use to discuss or evaluate the company. We're much more concerned in sort of the products and the business as a whole, like how successful the products and the other business uh, things that Apple is doing are are how how that's all going. But it's not, uh, you know, we don't we don't have Apple stock. We're not Apple investors. That's not our focus, just to be clear. But uh, so the street will do what it will do. But yes, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what the details are and how Apple uh, explains itself. Right. Like this. This is Tim. Uh, <laughs> what Explain does Tim yourself. say? Explain Amazing. yourself, Tim. Yes. That's our first question. Our first question comes from Mike Hurley of Real FM. <laughs> explain yourself. Go, Tim go Cook, ahead, explain yourself. <laughs> yep, this is Tim. Uh, how'd you get on this call? <laughs> we, we try our best to keep you away. Yeah. You're not a financial analyst. Don't you you're you listen to that. You you were you're the host of that podcast that was once behind me at a WWDC. Get off mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You may know that a VPN can protect your privacy and security online, but here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and TV shows that are available for you to watch in other countries. If you've run out of stuff to watch on your favorite streaming service, this could change the rest of your afternoon, I think. So, for example... I've done this a bunch of times. My my big thing here, actually, so you could do it at home, and I've done it at home. I think uh, when we were watching Terrace House, there were episodes that were coming out in Japan before they came out uh, in the UK, before that show uh, went away under very unfortunate circumstances. But I also do this when we're um, traveling. So if I'm watching a show at home on one streaming service, and because I'm away, it's like, oh, you can't watch this content because you're not at home anymore. We've done this with Formula One, for example. We're able to use ExpressVPN to say, hey, no, I'm in the UK, and then it'll let me watch the content. ExpressVPN will let you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just imagine all of the Netflix libraries you could go through. If you love Korean dramas, you could use ExpressVPN to watch Parasite and South Korean Netflix, for example. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming services. You pick your favorite. You can even go YouTube because some content's geolocated there, Hulu, whatever. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast. 
which you want when you're watching TV shows. You don't want it to be buffering, you don't want any lag, and you can stream in HD. It works on all your devices, from phones to media consoles to smart TVs and more, so you can watch what you want on the screen that you want to or on the go. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows that are available to you, go to expressvpn.com upgrade right now, and you could get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com upgrade. One last time is at expressvpn.com upgrade to get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Jason, the horses have bolted out of the corral. Oh, no. And they have run a mark across the whole town, making for an absolutely gargantuan-sized rumor roundup today. It's true. So we've it's got true. a There's few so many, areas. So many things. To focus mm-hmm. on, one is a like few different different pastures, diff to yeah. different uh, fields to go in to, to bring up. the horses back mm-hmm. in to round and back up. Okay, got it, got so it. We're gonna go down to Gurman Town right now. This is, I think, okay. a pretty typical thing from Mark Gurman at Bloomberg to have like a here is my thing for the year or whatever, right? So like he'll he'll come out sure. and say like this is what I'm expecting, and he maybe brings together some things that he's been working on or some like uh, areas that he has been focusing on so get a few quotes we're going to read jason we can talk about them sure so just a few quotes from mark a larger imac pro has been on and off apple's roadmap and i would be surprised at this point if it arrives in 2023 i'm sure you're very sad about that yeah i have heard um elsewhere that the same story basically i've heard elsewhere that um I don't want to say my own sources, but kind of my own sources that. Ooh, that look um, at you! Oh, hello! Uh, Hang I'm on, just breaking, breaking some... news on the rumor roundup. We no, have I'm a really new sheriff just, in town. I just want to. I just want to <laughs> assert that 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 uh, it is also my understanding that the that the larger iMac has been on and off. Uh, that the existence of of doing displays seems to have been a little bit of a bargain to not right. need to do a big iMac anymore because the displays would cover that and the Mac studio and all of that. So anyway, that's, I, I, I just want to corroborate what, what Mark is saying here. Mark is saying it's been on and off, which is actually more encouraging than what I heard, which is that it's off. But I think that this is the thing is they, they go back and forth about it. I'm surprised because they sold that larger iMac for so long and uh, the 24 is not the 27. And, uh, but maybe the answer is anybody who wants a bigger iMac than the 24 should just get a studio display and a Mac Studio. Um, thus far, that is essentially what they're saying. Or a Mac Studio and a Mac Mini if you want. Yeah. Or, sorry, Mac. A studio display. So many studios, yeah. so many Macs. Uh, a studio display and whatever you want to attach to it instead of a 27-inch iMac. So yep. that may not happen. I'm also surprised... At what he says about um, which which um, you didn't mention, but uh, he continues to insist that the iMac won't be updated until the M3, which I'm also I'm just surprised that they would just skip an entire chip generation with the iMac. They've it's their chips. Is the iMac Apple talks so much about the iMac being the flagship of the Mac in many ways, and it it's used in so many cases, and it's in hotels, and it's in classrooms, and it's all these places, and then for them to just sort of be like, meh, we'll wait to you know wait an extra chip cycle before we even bother updating it i i just i'm surprised that the imac seems to be so i don't know i don't know whether it's lower priority or whether maybe they just think it's good enough but i continue to be surprised that they aren't um more enthusiastic about it i think we're too early on in apple silicon to understand if this might be a typical thing for a lot of products that like right? they get they, every they other skip a generation yeah yeah maybe we so don't know yet. 
We don't know. On the Mac Pro, Apple plans to release a Mac Pro with the M2 Ultra, making it unclear beyond the machine's expandability why most users will buy it over the cheaper and smaller Mac Studio. In another disappointment, the new Mac Pro will look identical to the 2019 model. It will also lack one key feature from the Intel version, user-upgradable RAM. That's because the memory is tied directly to the M2 Ultra's motherboard. Still, there are two SSD storage slots and for graphics, media, and networking cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is information in the sense that it's saying, here's what here's what is upgradable in this thing. They're going to use the existing case, which he says it's disappointing. I, I, I mean, I guess that's Mark Gurman putting his own little editorial spin on it, although I think there's an implication there that they were investigating a smaller enclosure and they've decided, maybe this is one of those cost-saving things, right? That we we uh, heard the reports about how the, the Mac Pro, they, they didn't want to over-invest in it and so they weren't going to do the quad-core chip. Well, using the existing enclosure from the last Intel Mac Pro would be another way to save money. Um, but within that, he's saying, look, the memory is inextricably linked. So the memory is going to be on the on the chip packages and that's just how it's going to be. But he is saying expandable storage, expandable uh, media and networking and graphics cards. So that's, it sounds to me like that's going to be the big change in the Mac Pro from previous Apple Silicon Macs, right? Is that they seem to have, I guess, done the work to be able to use external graphics cards of some kind uh that's not a capability that apple silicon has had up to now it's all been the onboard gpus but um, whether they're third-party graphics cards or whether apple has built its own custom gpu thing that they do as an interconnect and i don't know but like i think this is actually kind of an encouraging report just in the sense that it's uh more upgradable yeah, more upgradable than we maybe thought, even yeah. though RAM is not a part of it. Yeah, I'm. I mean, look, I uh, I will profess to not understanding this enough, but it is intriguing to me that they have seemingly done the work to allow for graphics that are not part of the chip or like part of the package, but they haven't done that for RAM. So like, they're obviously prioritizing. I actually think that's the right priority. Like. I think these days you kind of it's easier to maybe understand how much RAM you want or you just get whatever you need and I think yeah. for people that want this particular type of machine I feel like graphics media and networking cards along with SSD like storage solutions or whatever could be interesting um I'm intrigued by SSD storage slots like is it are they just doing like M2 like you know like the little guys that you plug in or are they going to be able to allow you to put bigger hard drives in there i don't know but doesn't matter the point is it's going to be upgradable i am intrigued by what identical to the 2019 model means like is it the same one or is it a smaller version of it because i really do wonder if it needs to be as physically large but we'll find out i suppose well i think i think the answer based on mark german's report here is that they're they're going to use the existing case whether you need it or not they're going to use the existing case so it may be it may seem awfully empty in there but you know that seems to be what's going to be happening here Mm. so it's fascinating to me because it does seem a little bit like they had big plans and then they kind of scaled them back yeah the 15 inch macbook air is still planned for release this year the we'd also spoken the past on rumor roundup about a 12 inch model that apple also looking at that is no longer on their near-term roadmap which i think is probably the right thing 
I'm disappointed, but at the same time, I'm actually encouraged because I had kind of, you know, I keep wish casting and dreaming for a smaller laptop, but I never really expected them to do it. You know, I wanted them to do it, but there's a difference, I guess, somewhere in there between wanting it and thinking it'll actually happen. And I always think thought it was unlikely to happen. So even though it's no longer on their near-term roadmap, I'm fascinated that it was and that it's still kind of bubbling out there as something they might do in the future, that the 13-inch Air might not be the smallest Mac laptop available at some point in the future. But for the near term, it's that larger Air, which we talked about uh, several times on the show as being a nice way for people to get a larger display without having to spend two grand on a MacBook Pro. Apple has been working on larger iPads, but I'm told not to expect those this year. Mm. Who's telling you? The people, I guess. The Mark. people. Yeah, the people. The people are telling you. The Don't people. expect those this year. Yeah, so this is my prediction about that they were going to do a larger iPad. And he says, no, not this year. It's not going to happen, which means it's going to be a real quiet year for the iPad. (laughs) Like, I I thought that the larger iPad might be the only thing that they did this year, but it sounds like they're not even going to do that this year. The return of the larger HomePod size is still set for this year, but I wouldn't expect anything revolutionary about it. Then what's the point? (laughs) What's the point? Unless, okay, if they bring back a bigger one, but it's like $200, right? Right. Maybe fine, right? Yeah, that's that's the point. Is that it, it'll it's going to sound better than the HomePod Mini? Yeah, but if it still costs four hundred dollars, then there's no no, point. but it, it, no, no. Well, of course it won't. Yeah. I, I think that's well, the well. the example is it's going to be a big HomePod Mini. It's going to be uh, maybe the size of that HomePod that was the original model, but it's going to be again sort of scaled down in terms of the the what's in it, the, all the different speakers and stuff. Right? It's going to be more like a scaled up uh, HomePod Mini, which I think is fine. I think that's the right thing. And then if the HomePod Mini is 99 or whatever, then you do it at 199 for the larger one that's got more some more speakers and sounds better. Um, because the HomePod Mini is nice, but it does not sound as good as the HomePod. And there's there's room there. Even even if it doesn't sound as good as the original HomePod, there's room for it to sound better than it does and, and, and to get a bigger model in there. So that, that's I think that's fine. Uh, Mark referenced that devices like the Apple Watch are going to probably see a pretty quiet year, um, yeah. but did reference that, quote, the iPhone hardware could be impressive. I'm told to expect the same screen sizes as the iPhone 14 family, but the dynamic island will expand to all four models, as Jason Ha-ha. called out. A titanium mm. frame replaces stainless steel on the Pro, There's and there will be titanium. haptic volume buttons. That means not real buttons. The mm-hmm. iPhone will also switch to USB-C and faster processors. Right. This is um, now. I just want to caution people. Although Mike, in an earlier segment here, said that titanium can be anodized and, in fact, can come in bright colors. I mean, it's on the pro. It's not going to be in bright colors. I mean, it's just gonna... yeah. Do not expect that to happen. Instead, well, I might still get my gold. That, it's all I want. Yes. Yeah. And then there'll be the your your you know midnight tree bark <laughs> and your evening. Um, I don't Dreams. even know evening, evening. leaves. And your, you know, Midnight something rainbow. like that. Or, or uh, yeah, yeah, like the dark rainbow on mm-hmm. campus at night. Or like your uh, your 3 a.m. Uh, gray whale. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it will be the same unimpressive color scheme, even though titanium can withstand more than that. But uh, titanium will make it lighter. Uh-huh. That phone could be lighter. That iPhone Pro could, could really stand to be lighter. So that's good. But all of this is like table dressing. 
really, for the bigger thing, which we all know is coming this year, which is the right. headset. And yeah. Mark mentions, so like leading on into that, Apple's focus on the, he calls it XROS operating system. Mm. I hope it's not that. I mean, <laughs> it's just ZROS, I guess we'll call it in, in that instance. The ZROS operating system. Uh, XROS, like I, TVOS, we already do it. Yeah, but it. XR sounds horrible. OS. It's, if it was uh, AROS, it that would be better, or VROS. Like, but when mm. no one's going to call it XR, right? Like, we're not going to call it that. They are. You think that Apple will call it XR? If Apple calls it that, then all of us will go along. Yeah, sure. 10R? 10ROS. Oh, 10ROS. Now, I, okay. I genuinely don't think Apple's going to call their device an XR device. They might call it a mixed reality device, but then, mm. but I don't think they're going to refer to it as XR. That's my... Like, that is what people call mixed reality. Some people do call it MR, which I hope mm-hmm. that they would be more likely to call it an XR. Well, it's a it's a marketing decision ultimately. Yep. We'll see. So, along with the focus on this operating system, along with iOS 16 snags, has also cost some new features in iOS 17 and iPadOS 17. The same goes for macOS 14. So they're going all in on this thing, which makes sense to me. Like I think there will be stuff coming out this year. There will be new things, of course, but I'm expecting overall focus of 2023 will be the headset and the yeah. operating system and you know as, as we've been talking about before that's going to start at some point in the spring and it's going to hit every single time apple's got something to say this year they're going to be talking mm-hmm. about this in some way and and it's already been happening right because they've already been working on this and this mm-hmm. is the when we think about how like, oh, the Mac needs to get attention, but if it does, it's got to take attention away from the iPhone and the iPad, and the iPhone needs to get its share because it's the biggest product, but then you can't ignore the iPad and all that. What's been going on for, you know, over the last several years, but it's been increasing, and especially in the last year, I'd imagine, is uh, this product that's beneath the surface still, but there's huge amounts of work going on on this product. Mm -hmm. So... That's going to obviously continue because then they're going to get it out there and it's going to be pre 1.0 and there's going to be all that work that needs to be done to it. And when we finally see it, we're going to be like, oh, it doesn't do this, doesn't do this, it doesn't do this. And Apple's going to have to scramble. Remember the early Apple Watch days when sort of like they, their app their app approach wasn't quite right and the hardware wasn't quite there and they had to do a lot of work on it. And like and and Apple thinks that this is a strategic uh, product for them. So Apple is going to be and is already distracted and is moving resources to this thing and that's Which is how continue. it should be this is how you got to do it if you mean it you, you got to do it if you mean it yeah, yeah. you do you otherwise do it's it. just a hobby it's yeah. you know and and this is not a hobby Margoman is reporting that Apple has already shared the device of a small number of high profile software developers for testing and letting them get started on third party apps for demos the company is aiming to unveil it this spring ahead of the WWDC conference in June. This makes all of this is making sense to me. Like, especially yeah. if they're sharing it with people now, these people have got eight weeks, right? Like, that's yeah. the goal, those, right? Those, those are the people who are demoing at the launch event. Yeah. And then they will promise at the launch event um, more details about it for third party development in June mm-hmm. at WWDC, right? Mm-hmm. That'll be. That'll be how it goes, and the SDK will come out then. And and I think this is super smart, right? Because then companies that want to do it or developers that are interested in it, you've then got like three months to start whiteboarding, thinking like, 
brainstorming, like what could we do without seeing the surf, right? So you start thinking big picture, then you get the development kit and then you can start seeing what you can bring to life of it, right? Like that, this all, this is the playbook, right? We have been talking about this for ages. This is the, we have a new thing playbook, right? They did it with, they've done it with the iPhone. They did it with uh, the Apple Watch. I don't know if they did it with the iPad. I don't remember the timeline. Like, I don't think it was as far in advance, right? The 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 from um, announcement to release. I think it was a short period of time, yeah. but still a time. So more from Mark Gurman. With the current plan, Apple could introduce the device to consumers, likely under the name Reality Pro, and then get developers up to speed on its software features in June. On this timeline, the company would then ship the product later in the fall of 2023. They're going to call it Apple Reality Pro, right? It's not just going to be Reality Pro, right? Like sure. Yeah. Right. We're in agreement on that. Like, I yeah. just think that's just what he said, but I don't think that's the name. Apple is branded uh, on everything now. Yeah. And Apple Reality, by the way, is a device name I'm kind of fine with. I don't know if yeah. my feelings on this have changed or not over time, but Apple Reality Pro is like a perfectly okay name for me. Yeah. It's, it's what. Apple is doing now with names, right? Mm-hmm. It is the most obvious uh, generic name with Apple in front of it. Yeah. And this is my favorite quote. <laughs> Maybe ever. <laughs> I love this so much, all right? While mm-hmm. Apple still has many kinks to work out with the device involving hardware, software, and services, as well as how it will be marketed and sold, the company is banking on the product as its hot new introduction for this year. Mm, so, <laughs> other than other than the ha- hardware, software, services, marketing, and uh, the, and the retail way it's sold, everything they, it's ready to go. It's all ready to go. <laughs> it's, it's ready to go. <laughs> Woo! It's incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Mark Gurman, we are such big fans of you on this show. You know that, right? You know that. This is bananas. What you have said here, right? Like, oh, aside oh, from yeah. everything. They're ready. Well, I I think that I mean not to speak for Mark, but my guess is that that is the strong implication when when he wrote this sentence, he was very yeah, much trying yeah. to get across. They're not ready. Oh, like the people that he's talking to are like, I don't know. There uh, are parts yeah, of this, all right? In flux. Marketing and how it's going to be sold. They have nine months at least from now to work that out, sure. right? And so, like, sure. Hardware, software, and services. At least one of those three has to be a state where they're ready to to start talking about it or like to say they've got a plan, especially the hardware, right? Right. I I do think that maybe there are some questions about, uh, yeah, hardware, it seems a lot. I mean, if they're not going to ship it until the fall though, they're just going to have samples. They may, they may be able to make changes, but yeah, software, I could see them being like, you know, their features were going to drop out of initial release because we just can't get there. Um, the keep in mind this is a lot harder of a problem than the iPhone in the sense that the iPhone launched without a software developer kit for third parties right but it was so successful when they introduced it that now everything has to ship with a uh, a software development kit which makes sense because it makes the products more interesting but it means that they got to when they when they do this they they do have to have a developer story yep. and that's extra complexity and that uh you frustrate the developers if you keep messing around with the software because they need to rely on it. So, yeah, it, this is... Uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch and see what's going on here. Um, it does feel... 
like maybe this is just a function of of it being around so long and being delayed that Mark Gurman has more information about it and more people have more information about it and that because it's been delayed and because there have been changes we are seeing uh into the development uh in a way that maybe we might not have otherwise but it, it sure sounds like a product that is not focused and not ready and yet they seem to be saying that you know it's coming <laughs> not ready or not but that like they keep delaying it and now they think they probably will get to it in time but again they're still working on it it seems from this report that's pretty wild but i'd i'd see the thing that i'm struggling with this is if the hardware has been delayed multiple times how are they still struggling with the software and services part because in theory the software and services had to be ready for the hardware so if the hardware's being delayed Right. Well, the hardware being delayed is not not the way to phrase it. I think think of it as the product has been delayed. The mm-hmm. hardware could be ready. It's it's probably not. But like they they could have finished the hardware a year ago and said we're ready to ship this, and they would have to delay the hardware, so to speak, anyway. If the software is not ready, right? So the, the product's not ready is the best way to look at this. The product has been delayed, and why has it been delayed? Is it the hardware? Is it the software? Mm-hmm. Is it the services? Answer is probably yes. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But it's probably all of those things. I don't think it's just the hardware necessarily. Although, yeah, I mean, to your point, if if it was just the hardware, then they wouldn't say the software is still in flux, right? Other than if the software is, has to be in flux because they keep changing the hardware, which is a possibility. That's That makes more sense to me. Could be. The information also had another big report about this with a bunch of details that uh, we've not heard about before. So there's a lot of little hardware tidbits. So one of them is that, you know, so you've got the, the, the screens that go on your face attached to your head with a headband, right? So the headband is said to have speakers built into it. This is very normal for other types of um, VR headsets. So, you know, you can put it on and you can hear and they'll kind of like fire into your ears or whatever. But speakers are speakers. And if they're going to be like actual speakers, not anything like bone conduction or whatever, it would be audible to people that are around you. They would be able to hear. So if you're sitting next to someone and you're using the Apple Reality Pro, they're going to be able to hear what you're doing. So the information references that AirPods could be required for some use cases. Like communication, they said. Like if you want to have a private communication, although Mm -hmm. one side of the communication is going to be audible in the room anyway, right? Because you're going to be talking. But it is true that like they sound... Like on my Quest, on my my Quest 2, it sounds really good even when I'm not wearing a headset, but or when I'm not wearing headphones. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if I'm playing ping pong, <laughs> my my wife can tell that I'm playing ping pong, right? She's in yeah. the other room and it's ba doop doop right? Like it's ping pong. It's it's happening. There's table tennis ping sounds going off and like so you probably want headphones just just because if there's if you're if other people are around especially. Plus it, it's going to shut out the outside world a little yeah. bit. But I bet those speakers in the headband will have like spatial audio and stuff. I bet they will sound really good. Uh, I'm sure they will. It's funny that this report is sort of like, well, the the AirPods two is going to be like the the, the required in some use cases or AirPods. Yeah, I I don't sh- I don't really like the way it's written because yeah, I think the it can be easily taken that that means oh you the Apple are going to mean you have to have them. But it's like no, I just think it means like practically. Right. From a practicality standpoint, you're going to want headphones. Right. But the issue is then 
it is apparent that the only headphones this is the, this is the catch the only headphones that will work with this headset apparently would be AirPods Pro 2 but, and that is part of the um you know we we've, we've been talking about this before like some of the stuff that Apple mentioned about like the frequencies and how it's got like a wider what, what was the phrasing that they used oh uh, like capable of more bandwidth or something yeah, like that that apparently that was for the headset mm. so these would be the only headphones that would work at all and then anything that has the H2 chip in from this point. They're obviously not going to have a headphone jack on this device um, and you would probably want small in-ears anyway because it's easier for the fact that you've got a big strap around your head, no. right? We haven't talked about the price yet uh-uh. but I, I, I will just say if the information's report on the price is true, which I am very much skeptical of, yep. but if it is true all I'll say is uh, AirPods Pro 2 should come in the box if that's the price. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like if you're going to require for r- truly immersive whatever AirPods Pro and the product costs a large amount of money, they just need to be in the in the box. That's it. I actually agree with you on this one. Yeah, I think that I think that, that would be not just a courtesy, but like that should be the way that this thing works as it comes with them do i do i think they will do this absolutely not but they should and we'll talk about it when it happens right i'm actually a little surprised that they aren't using uh headphones or you know airpods max or airpods pro in an integrate in a more integrated way at least as a possibility here um with transparency because the reason you don't want to cover people's ears is because they might need to interact with people in the real world but there's transparency so you could make it that you put this thing on and it's got headphones, right? You could just do that where it's playing. You don't, it's playing right into yours. You put the headphones in or, or the act of putting it on also puts headphones on you. I, I know that there are a lot of ergonomic reasons you might not want to do that, but I'm a little surprised because like transparency, that's the whole idea. But yes, if, if it's going to be very expensive and for best use, you're going to need to put something in your ears or over your ears. Hmm. Uh, should should be in the box from the information a special alternate headband will be available for developers likely allowing for the device to be hooked up to a mac for development yeah this is the developer kit thing and it, and yeah. it totally makes sense right that, that this is how there needs to it. be a way to hook this thing up to a mac directly so that you can be running your code on the mac and debugging it while using the headset which is bananas but that's like that's how vr development works yeah this is not a special alternate headband this is a developer kit right like you can it's not like you'll get a headband and then buy your thing and no they will send you the whole thing you'll pay them a lot of money for the privilege and it will come with a headband that has a cable attached to it right you know what i mean that's a detail uh, that i'm Mm -hmm. I'm not confident in either no, one I, whether the, whether developers will be able to get it with the headband and that'll be all part of it or whether they'll say go get this product and then we'll you can separately buy a headband and attach it uh, whatever well the report also says that the idea for user swappable headbands has been removed from the product so you wouldn't be able to do that right but it says but it says that the developers will have a, a swappable headband so i i think that the jury is out about whether the, it, it's not important, but like developers will be able to get a thing where they can tether. However, the details details don't matter. They'll be able to get that, and that'll be for developers, and uh, and that's it. It's not going to be one of these things where it's like, or you can hook it up to 
a Mac and play real games. It's like, that's not the point of it. The point is the tethering is just going to be for developers. As of last year, the headset used an external battery pack tethered by cable, as opposed to a battery integrated into the headband. The design choice has been controversial among Apple's engineers, given the company's preference for cable-free designs. Mm -hmm. I am on team battery pack. I can't see... Okay, I can't see this product having a mandatory external battery that you have to wear. Mm -hmm. I I can't see it. Well, I agree. I can't see that it will happen, but I think they should do it because then it will be lighter on your head. Like, so that's the goal. Yes, but but it means that to get into it, you've got to equip even more. And that equipping phase is no fun. You're already so in at the point where you're like putting this thing on your face, putting the earphones in your ears. Like It's different having a cable snaking away from your body and going somewhere that can get snagged or can be tense or all of that. So what I'm going to say is, because uh, I'm not finished, right? The, the idea that to get good battery life you need to attach a thing and they will sell you a thing or it comes with a thing to get good battery life i'm okay with that idea but the idea that this thing when it's in use always has a cable snaking from it to somewhere else on your body where there's a battery pack like yuck yuck three thousand dollar price tag is still expected uh from the information okay Okay, let me stop you there. (laughs) $3,000 price tag. I believe that the technology in this thing might mean that that price is justified, but I can't envision them selling, even if they put Pro on it, I can't envision them selling enough $3,000 plus headsets to make their make an audience large enough to justify any app development for it. That's that $3,000 sounds like a developer kit, a developer preview of something that will be eventually available in a consumer friendly product down the road so that developers can start working now on the reality pro so that they're ready when reality comes out. Apple reality for way cheaper. Um, I, I mean, I thought the $2,000 plus was a ridiculous price point. $3,000 plus is uh, what's above that ludicrous. It's, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this report because I, I, I said, I think last week, um, I am strongly of the belief that Apple basically needs to eat its profit margins on this product mm-hmm. when it comes out so that, and, and, whether break even or lose money or whatever, but like they need to get some volume going for the developers to build for their new platform. And if Apple is going to sell this thing for $3,000, like who's it for corporations and very, very rich people as a toy. Well, I mean, that's great. You'll make a profit on the few that you sell, but um, who's going to develop for that Uh, other than like very expensive apps for corporations and very, very rich people. But like, it's not a mass product at $3,000. It's not a mass product at $2,000. So no matter how good it is. So yeah, I'm troubled by this, although I'm not. I'm also not necessarily convinced by this report. More than the price, another quote troubles me more, which is Apple sees video conferencing as a potential killer app with virtual conversations conducted using digital avatars. 
People who have worked on the headset say Apple doesn't appear to have focused much on gaming. That, so I'm potentially drawing here in my mind a link between $3,000 and video conferencing. Mm-hmm. And it worries me that you just said, right? Is, is it going to be for corporations? Like, I really hope that this hollow lens yes, sort of thing that they're not, that they don't think that this is where they should be going. Look, I can imagine, right, Apple not putting a focus on gaming is Apple always, right? Like, yes, they never put a focus on gaming. So they don't have to have focused specifically on gaming at all for this product to make any sense, right? And it, like, one of the things that, that they say in the report is they don't have any plans for a game controller. Yeah, well, welcome to everything for them, right? Remember, remember if you die in the meeting, you die in real life. So, yeah. <laughs> um, look... It's possible, but Microsoft selling a VR, AR, you know, mixed reality product for corporations makes sense with the Microsoft brand, right? But like, that's not Apple's brand. That's not the kind of stuff Apple does. And and yes, I totally see that they're working on this, right? Because because we've seen with SharePlay and with Memojis and with the collaboration tools, including Freeform, like Apple is trying to build a whole suite of collaboration and communication features. It's very clear that they all have an application on a virtual reality headset, right? Mm -hmm. That's totally clear. I get it. But again, first off, this is the company that wants everybody to come back into the office. So that's amazing. And uh, maybe you don't have to come back into the office if you agree to wear a headset three days a week. I don't know. Uh, And, I just, my skepticism, like, look, I used Meta's Horizon Worlds thing. It was fine, but, like, the idea that you spend your work time or your meeting time in a, with a thing on your face looking at other avatars, like, it, it, it's interesting, and there's something to the idea that it feels like you're more present with other people than even a FaceTime does. I will absolutely grant you that. But... That's not something to hang your product on. There has to be games. Games should be as much as a focus on this as everything else. Now, again, Apple shouldn't make the games, but they've just got to make it possible for people to make the games. Honestly, I expect they will. I, you yeah. know, like how you, you question the price thing, I question this. Oh, I agree. If it's $3,000, it doesn't make sense as a game console, I suppose, right? That would be yes. the answer there. But it doesn't, like, the be- the only... I would say, okay, not the only. The only real proven VR applications that exist right now are games, fitness, and esoteric corporate whatever. Meetings. Right? I think, yeah, meetings, people well, seem and, to and like other, it. Like with HoloLens, Microsoft's done a bunch of stuff where it's like, you know, oh, if you're working yeah. in, mm-hmm. in 3D and CAD and other stuff like that where you can do visualizations of the objects in 3D space and walk yep. around them and all that before you print them or build them or whatever. Like, okay, that's cool. And then, yeah, okay, well, I'll throw in meetings, although I'm not sure that meetings is the killer app, but it yep. is an app that could be used for this. But it's very hard to imagine that Apple's going to build this platform and ignore um, those lifestyle features. The only way that this works is, again, if we're if we're misreading Apple's strategy here, and it's hard because the all the focus of reports has been on this first headset. And if it's truly a ultra-premium slash development environment, 
what we're missing here is what does the one that people will buy look like and when is that coming, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe their their deal that they've made here, their bargain that they've made is this first one is way over-engineered. It's like the HomePod writ large. It's it's a huge, expensive, spared no expense kind of thing and nobody's going to buy it. Well, okay, but we built it. So who who's going to get it? And they're like, all right, well, how about developers and corporations? We'll, we'll do that. But what's the other part of this, right? Because you don't spend this kind of money building a new platform that's going to be used by a small number of people, especially if you're going to evangelize developers about it. So what next? They're going to put Apple Arcade games on this thing. Like, I, you know, I don't have any concern about that. Sure, but if it's $3,000, it's not going to matter. So that's my question is like, what's what's phase two of the strategy if this is phase one? And if it's we'll eventually lower the price, well, it's a long way to go to lower the price. Is it because you put pro on it that there's also an Apple reality and that's coming next year and that's going to be the one that everybody's going to buy? But in the meantime, we're doing this for people... In, I mean, it gives them an out. It gets it, when people are like, "Why do you expect everybody to buy this thing at this price?" It lets them say, "No, no, 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 no. You misunderstand us. This product is for developers and for corporations, and uh, we, you know, and and very high end uses. We do believe in the space, and something else is coming. We promise that everybody's going to want. But for now, it's like this. I mean, I can see them building that narrative as a way to explain why they put this at a price that nobody is going to buy it, other than corporations and developers." But the developers aren't going to buy it either unless they're reassured that there's going to be a real product that people will actually buy and that will ship in volume so that they will actually be uh, getting a return on their investment and developing for it. James Thompson in the chat's made a really good point, which is if it does not have any hand controllers, it cannot be used to games because nobody will be able to port their games. It's That's, that's true. I, uh-huh. I wonder if hand controllers are an option or if Apple really believes that their hand recognition is so good they don't need controllers which might be uh, it might actually lead to the Apple doesn't appear to have focused much on gaming information from mm-hmm. the information right like that could that could be the source of something like that which is like well if they really were focusing on it they would they would go beyond their own hand scanning and put in controllers and they haven't bothered with that because you do want the hand controllers and just a video game controller is not going to do it because oh. the whole idea is that you're moving your arms around and stuff and you're you're interacting with objects so it's really mysterious but if this is true if the information's got again i don't think they're making it up but if the information has got it right uh and mark german's got it right and that this is where apple's going with this it's hard not to see this as what I just described, which is a product that is so expensive that it really isn't for the public and that Apple is going to have to weave a story about why regular people are not the the audience for this product. That one, I think they're going to have to say that product is coming, but we have to get started with this thing for right now. And uh, because they're going to get, I mean, they're going to get savaged in the media anyway, if they try to release a $3,000 product, everybody's going to laugh. Uh, real hard at them and that's okay they're tough they can take it but they might want to not take some steps to not poison this category so that anything apple does in this category after this product is considered a joke right like they need to not poison the well here and i think that that's going to be an interesting interesting challenge for them if this is the these are the facts of this product iPhone apps will be able to run in an overlaid 2D format. 
And that'd sure. be kind of fun. Little little iPhone app windows in various mm-hmm. places that you can. Yeah, it's like a stage manager, but uh, in 3D. There will be a dial, and as uh, John Gruber called it, a digital crown for switching between AR and VR, which I think would be unbelievably good. That is a good idea. Yeah, on my quest, you double tap on the side of your head, basically, and it and it flips you from from not reality to reality. Yeah. Having something tactile where you can be like, it's like you're opening up the visor, essentially, mm-hmm. even though it's not what it's doing. Uh, it's not a bad idea. It's a nice little, nice little touch. It's like I want to see a little bit like that, you know, like just a little bit. Give me a peek. Like I like that idea. If that's gonna be how it works, right? That it won't just be you're either in AR or in VR, you could be like halfway. I don't know. That seems kind of interesting to me. Yeah. And, you know, that that $3,000 price is based on apparently premium components and it being thinner and lighter than the Quest Pro, which I think goes back to the battery thing potentially. Um, I'm wondering, my kind of feeling on this, because I, the more we talk about it, the more I move backwards and forwards as to what I think this thing's going to be and going to cost. Like during the course of this conversation today, I've changed my mind on it all like four times. Mm. I'm expecting the information is seen a bill of materials and that's where they come in at this for $3,000. But that is, I assume that they are including a margin in it. And as we've spoken about before, we're both on the team of Apple needs to eat the margin. Even if uh, it's also, I mean, yeah, yes, you're probably right. It's a bill of materials thing. It's also possible that inside Apple, there is a standard way that the rough price of a product is calculated based on the bill of materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure the final decision about pricing takes is up at a very, very high level. And that's why we don't get a lot of rumors about actual prices in advance. And that's the truth here is that it's basically Tim Cook and company are going to have to make the decision about what margins are acceptable for this product. And we'll see. Like, if if this product is really not meant to ship in high volume, and that was a rumor we had a few months ago, uh, then this price is like, sure, well, that'll do it, right? But if they expect to ship a lot of them, uh, that price is not going to do it. So they're going to need to lower it. And that, that, that comes back to Tim, which is like everybody else knows how much it costs to make it. But Tim and company, Tim and Luca and the rest are going to have to look at it and say, well, I know it's going to cost us $2,300 for each one of these we make, but I'm going to price it at $2,300 or $2,000 or whatever, right? Like I'm just making those numbers up, but like that's a, that's a CEO decision. Of are we going to lose money on this? Are we going to break even on this? We're going to make a little, or are we going to make our customary profit margin on this thing? And and that's because it's a strategic product release, right? Like it's not a normal Apple product. In the run of business, Apple products have a lot of margin built into them for good reasons, right? That's Apple's business model. But when you're trying to start a, a category and induce developers into a a vacuum of like literally these first developers who are apparently working on it now, there are no items sold at all. It's an empty market. They're going on faith that people will be there to buy these products or Apple's paying them to develop them, which is also possible. So you need to price, you need to set the price of a product like this differently than you would normally price a product. And and that's why it's possible that all these reports about the price being over $2,000 or over $3,000. They might be accurate, but they also might be based on kind of some assumptions about pricing that might be changed yep. at the very high levels for a product that's this important. 
This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client who's waiting on the line. You don't want to have to track down the same FAQs from the company website for all of your support team to be sending out on a daily basis. These are the kinds of things you want at your fingertips at all times so you can just get your work done faster. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type most with just a few keystrokes, keystrokes that you choose. It allows you to work faster and eliminate repetition and also work with the way that your brain does, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations will make your team's work more streamlined than ever. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander will do the rest for you. You can just build up a collection of your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander, create your chosen abbreviations, and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can customize snippets by having them automatically added in information like dates, you can have drop downs and fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and so much more to make sure that you will still keep the personality in the communication that you're sending. Text Expander is available on every device that you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. We use Text Expander in our teams here at Relay FM all the time to make sure that we're sending out correct information to people that we're talking to. And so we don't have to be asking questions back and forth of each other. We just can rely on Text Expander to be the truth of the information. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade and you can get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's cleanse our palate <laughs> and talk okay. about CES. Oh no. Don't, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Do not CES, eat CES. You don't know where it's been. It's been news. someplace. It's Vegas. It's been someplace really gross. Mm, don't yum. do it. Yum. Oh, no. You wrote in our document, Ooh. Monitor Madness. Monitor Madness. Lots of monitors at CES. Choo, choo, choo. It's always TVs. Monitors, right? monitors. And there's always gaming monitors. And we're not talking about those. There are some bananas gaming monitors. But that's not... Yes really uh, important for this conversation. There were no. two products, one from Samsung and one from Dell, that seemed to be kind of targeting the studio display or the pro display uh, in its sight. Yes. What were your thoughts on these? I, I just think it's interesting that there, after many years of there being very few displays that could satisfy Mac users uh, in terms of the DPI to, uh, or yeah dpi essentially or the the uh the resolution to size of the screen ratio right apple finally came out with something that's basically the 27 inch imac display in a standalone product the studio display uh they have the pro display xdr which is very high end but is is also there and has been there for a while and then we have that lg ultrafine and that's about it and now here we are at CES 2023. And what do we get? We get a Samsung 27-inch 5K display. So a competitor to the studio display. It's got ports. It's got a 4K webcam that's detachable. That's not part of the actual display. Mm -hmm. We don't know the price yet. But what we see here is a Samsung alternative to the ultrafine and the studio display which probably has two forms. One is if you're a PC user and you want uh, an Apple level style of resolution, uh, here it is. And also if you're a Mac user 
then this might be an alternative if, uh, you know, assuming it's cheaper. I mean, it's an alternative regardless. Uh, we don't know the price, though, but it's it's basically Samsung has decided to make a studio display. So that's interesting. It's nice looking, I think. I think this is a good looking display. Uh, it comes with a stand. I don't know if the stand is high adjustable. The, the Verge article doesn't seem to indicate it. And I can't really tell by looking at the images. Um, it's got an anti-glare is like the way it's just the standard. I think this is a good looking display and it has a, a detachable 4K webcam. Yep. Looks good looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Again, it's CES. We don't really know anything about it. Apparently as well, it will come loaded with the same software that runs on Samsung smart TVs. So you get apps on it. It's got the ties and stuff. So so basically it's also a smart TV. Which is cool. Just <laughs> you for know? Fun. Why not? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. And then separately, Dell, it's, these, it's like the usual suspects, right? Of Samsung and Dell from CES. Dell is going to do a 32-inch 6K display. Sound familiar? With a height-adjustable stand, uh, only 600 nits peak brightness. It's basically like, what if you wanted something the size and resolution of the Pro Display XDR, but not all of the kind of like wild... HDR color kind of things, a a more of a consumery prosumery monitor, but at the size and resolution of the Pro Display XDR, um, that is what this Dell monitor is. And unlike the Samsung, which actually has a pretty nice design, uh, Whoa, sort of this Apple, one's an ugly duck. Apple inspired. This one looks like a Dell monitor, Whoa. as you might expect. <laughs> it ain't good looking. This this monitor. No. It has like I think that's a camera on the top. It's like this. Very large bezel on the top with a big circle on it. I assume that's a camera. I don't know what's going on up there. It is. It is. It's bad looking, uh, this thing. And it's, I'm sure, not made of very premium materials. No. And, and again, there are lots of special things about the Pro Display XDR in, that, that make it XDR, right? Uh, but it's five grand and, and, and this won't be. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever this is, it will not be five grand. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that there are people out there probably who are like, you know, I might do a 32 inch display, but not a $5,000 one. And so they're like, well, oh, well. And now it's like, well, here you go. 32 inch mm-hmm. 6K display. Um, I wonder if Apple is going into this category too. Uh, we, we've heard rumors about Apple working on other displays. Would, the, would it be a 27 inch or would they do something that was like a, uh, a more high dynamic range at 32 inches that is not the pro display XDR, but is something different? Who knows? But what I will say is if these products ship and are okay and are priced reasonably, uh, we have some monitor choice for Mac users. And that's good because, wow, we were in the desert for a very long time. Chi is back. Chi 2. <laughs> it, never, it never left. The sequel never left. to Chi. Chi 2. Oh, Chi harder. <laughs> Chi 2. Chi harder. Too Furious. Uh, is it Chi uh-huh. 2 too magnetic? We'll go with that one. That's it. That's what we're going to land on. Mm-hmm. Chi 2 is a new unified wireless charging standard that is built on MagSafe charging technology supplied by Apple to the consortium. Yeah. This is the wildest piece of this story to me. Because like when I saw this story, I was like, oh, the new Chi is going to have magnets. They knocked off MagSafe. Yeah, but it turns out well, Apple is a part of Chi, but they were like, hey, yeah, sure, here you go. They gave the information. Uh, and so this is how you do it, and we're going to work with you on it. And now the new Qi will support magnets, and it will work 
uh, to allow for faster charging. The reason that MagSafe could do faster charging than Qi is because you can confirm the connection is secure with the magnets, right? So you can supply more power without there being heat issues because you know where the you know where the charger is and you know where the coil is in relationship to each other. Um, I read some articles about this. Currently, it's unknown. It's just unknown if Qi two products and the current MagSafe will work well together. Yeah, that's weird, right? Right. So, and Apple is going to use Qi two apparently, according to the consortium. Right. So we may have a MagSafe schism, or we may not. Yeah, we just don't know. And like this is what so I read a, an article on the Verge where they were interviewing someone from the. Qi standards body and there was consortium yeah. consortium they're just kind of like apple's gonna do its thing we don't know <laughs> it's yeah. like all right fair enough yeah but apple is in the in the consortium and contributed this yeah. and this is not i mean this is what happened with thunderbolt essentially mm-hmm. matters the same. yes that's true this is the way apple does standards which is they participate and then they invent their own thing and contribute it as a standard yeah we would really <laughs> like, like here. it if you would just do the thing we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they roll into the Qi Consortium and they're like, oh, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Okay, we fixed all your crap here. Nice standard you got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be ashamed if something happened to Something it. happened to it. But no, in this place, it'll be great if something happened to it because yep. Apple's going to fix your broken standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so uh, in the end, what this essentially means is that MagSafe-like things are going to come to Android phones uh, at some point and that uh, presumably they'll be compatible with future iPhones, but as for the present MagSafe, will it be compatible? It's an unknown. I would be surprised if it's incompatible, but who knows? Jason, would you like to hear my conspiracy theory on this? If you want to pop your conspiracy theory hat on. Mm -hmm. It's it's a a beanie with a propeller. Perfect. So if Qi 2 works on on iPhones, works on Android phones, or whatever, Uh that is a common charger. Yes, it is. Building the future for no USB-C port on the iPhone. Uh, hmm. Right? I don't know if they they can make this work. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if Apple wanted to really play ball on this to try and help them out for the future, right? That there could be a future where this could be seen as common enough and then they can really just go down the route that they want to go down to, which is just MagSafe everything. I feel like Chi was already that... More or less, I don't think the magnets make that much difference, but sure. I don't know, man. Sure, I'm going to let you have your conspiracy, conspiracy theories. Let you have it. They're not all. They're not based in logic, right? That's just, just no, you're right. to talk about. You're right. The, the, and finally, the ports can be closed off, and mm-hmm. and uh, Apple's grand vision will come to pass of the portless iPhone. Stronger magnets are the goal with G2 as well. That's mm-hmm. that's right. Well, it's how do they work? That's the whole thing. The last thing I wanted to mention on CES is that matter was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everything's got matter in it. It's fitting that CES, a place famous for product announcements that never quite ship, would embrace matter, a standard <laughs> that sort of hasn't happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to put in the show notes a YouTube video. <laughs> Bad news for matter. Matter is now part of the uh, indeterminate, unknown state of CES products mm-hmm. of does it exist or not? Like, I don't know. Maybe, eventually, or maybe not. I'm going to put into the show notes a YouTube video from Shane Watley, who was one of the uh, kind of HomeKit creators that were introduced to me when I spoke about this in the show a while ago. Um, he was at CES and just has a rundown of like all the major players and the products that they're bringing to market. 
but there were two specific ones that I wanted to talk about particularly. So Acara have two products coming out, which are very interesting. One is the first HomeKit secure video wireless video doorbell. Mm. That is exactly what I want from a product. So I'm really intrigued to see how this works out. The next is a smart lock with home key support. So this their lock is actually really interesting. It's like a little panel with a keypad on it. So you can use a keypad or it has a fingerprint sensor. So you can use a fingerprint. It also has the ability to have a key and home key. <laughs> yeah. This is like everything. So everything. That's what doesn't I think it do? This, I think this is a, a really interesting uh, product from Akara. And I've, I've been very happy with my Akara stuff so far. So I'm hoping that I will be able to get that doorbell and make it work for me because that is the product that I've been looking for. And then lastly is, uh, you know, Ember mugs, right? They're the mugs that have the heating elements in them. Yeah, I'm holding one right now. I forgot that you had one of those. Did we talk about this on the show? We did because, because two, I think, because two things. Um, one is I got it on a, I think, Prime Day or uh-huh. pre-Prime Day kind of thing. I got it for cheap. Yep. Uh, and and because people are like, oh, I just... I just microwave my whatever. I was like, well, you know, I, I leave my tea sitting here and it and it gets cool and now it doesn't. It stays that temperature forever, which is great or for until the battery runs out, which happens pretty quickly. But it was a snow talk question, apparently, says yes. Sava, who submitted that snow talk question. And the timely part of it was that the M- Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, uh he he owns an ember mug and somebody took a picture of him with an ember mug before he was the prime minister and it was used when he became prime minister as an example of how he is a an out of touch rich guy who doesn't understand regular people's needs because he's using an ember mug which i'd be like i think that maybe you could count how many houses he owns and that might be a better example but okay sure the the ember mug splurge on amazon is the reason that he is out of touch can i ask a question of you real quick Great Britain and Northern Ireland? What was that? United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, right? He's the you got a yeah, United Kingdom. Okay, United so he's Kingdom Prime Minister of the United fine. Kingdom. But yep. I started to say Great Britain, and then I had to say oh, Northern Ireland. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense then. Because he's like... not just the Prime Minister of <laughs> no. United Kingdom; he's Prime Minister of all of uh, all of GB. Right, but the the he's the president of England, mate. It was just I very it was just very like brain. I had to throw Northern thing. Ireland. Shout yeah. shout out to Belfast. I Come see on, you, you were just gonna say Great Britain, right? And then so then you you, you uh, did an about. And that's turn. not accurate. He's not just it's the not Prime accurate. Minister of Great Britain, right? But we call it the United Kingdom. So like that, yeah. Yes. It's like but I I, the, I went down the, the wrong. President of California and all of the other states. <laughs> yes. Well, for now, <laughs> if you buy an ember oh. mug. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes, you do have an ember mug and uh, then they new ember travel mug they have a travel mug i think the travel mug was their first product and then they had the regular mug which i think is what you have like like yes just i just have the regular mug. mug i don't have this giant travel thingy i just have it's it, it, it's literally a mug with a thing in the bottom that keeps my tea warm but the new one so it's a travel mug right so you take it out and about is gonna support the find my network which i think is genius and more products should support this Right, because it's actually a thing that you would take out of the house, whereas my mm-hmm. Ember mug doesn't go outside the house ever, because that would be, no, ridiculous. Yep. But this is a travel mug, so it makes yep. sense. Sure, so why if not? You, if you make a product that leaves the home and has Bluetooth in it, it should support Find My, in my opinion. I think yeah, that's a that's great idea. 
by the way, um, I want to mention this because I, th- I did have a conversation with people about the Ember mug where they're like, I don't understand why you would have that. I don't want a mug that's got an interface and all that. And, and, and all I will say to that is, I don't, I mean, this, this travel mug um, has, I'm looking at the Mac Rumors story uh, by a friend of the show, Joe Rossignol. Um, and he, uh, he, so he, he put a, an Ember supplied art of their mug and it's got like a plus, uh, plus and minus like interface area and a temperature readout on it. Mm-hmm. The mug that I've got has no interface. There's a button on the bottom that you can use to turn it on and off, and you can pair it with Bluetooth in order to set your your target temperature. So I did that when I got it. Since then, I use it like a mug. I, there's yeah. no fiddling with anything. You know, its interface will say, "Oh, I've heated up your tea." And it's like I don't care. You all don't I do is put it in its it, charger. Yeah. No, all I do is put it in its charger. And then when it's morning and I want tea, I take it out of its charger, which is like a little saucer, basically, in my kitchen counter, and put t- put the tea in it. And it comes, it knows that there's hot stuff in it. It comes on. When the temperature goes below the threshold, it keeps it back up to the threshold. There's no interface to it. And, and so I just wanted to say that because if I had to fiddle around with my phone every time I drank a cup of tea, I would have sent it back. Right? Like, I'm not interested in that at all. But... Uh, at least uh, there are on-device controls for this travel mug, so you're not having to go to the uh, to to an app to do it. But still, I, I I don't think I would endorse a product that requires me to mess around with a, a display on it or something like that for something like a teacup. I I just treat it like a teacup. That's the that's the good thing about it. I want to give you one last piece of like support on the Ember mug as like a thing of of why it's not ridiculous and why uh it's better than microwaving. So I follow a, a very popular YouTube coffee guy called James Hoffman, and he mm-hmm. did a review of the Ember mug some time ago, like four years ago. And I'm assuming this is the same for tea, but one of the things that he talks about is like, if you let a, a cup of coffee go cold and then put it in the microwave and heat it up again, it changes the taste of it because the reheating of going cold and then and reheating again will change the taste there's some science right. to that go watch his video if you want the science so the idea so the what the ember mug does it never lets the tea go cold yes. so it will keep it tasting the same so there is a benefit to this product yeah. if you enjoy the thing you're drinking from the mug right and if it, if it goes for an infinite amount of time right it's gonna be terrible but but mm-hmm. in the short term it makes it better and i'll tell you i you know i i Again, I've got it on sale. It is kind of a ridiculous thing. I, I resisted it for a long time. You don't have to. I don't think you need to do that. But like, you can buy whatever you want. But I got it. And there are moments where I'm reminded why I have this thing instead of using one of my fun mugs that I that I own. And the answer is I, I've got half a cup of tea still left in it. And I stop drinking it and put it down. And then I pick it up and I taste it. And it's exactly the temperature that I would want it to be right out of the pot when I wanted to start drinking it. And it's delightful because that's that moment where you go, oh, in a normal mug, it'd be like, oh, it's gotten cold. And you go back out and maybe put a little more tea in it and put it in the microwave and heat it back up and then go back to bed or whatever. And I just pick it up and I'm like, oh yeah, it's still, this is the this is the little thing doing its job. So it's, it's otherwise invisible in terms of interface. I, I think we've said this before about smart stuff. Like my favorite smart tech stuff is after you set it up, does not need to be played with, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it'll just do what it needs to do. And like, yeah. I don't need to know about its Bluetooth. I don't need to know about its battery. All I know is that I wash it out and park it on its little home 
and drink tea out of it. And otherwise, I know nothing about it as a technology product. And that's how I like it. The best kinds of smart products are when the app allows for, as you say, setup and troubleshooting. And then other than that, you just use it like you would want to. Like life. Yeah. Like life. Use it like life. Dennis. Uh Uh-huh. That's it's the new the slogan, slogan of ours. Richie Sunak says. Oh, okay. Ember <laughs> Richie Sunak says the use like life. This episode is brought to you by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Has filling out payment fields given you a headache? Has a mobile banking app ever been down when you've needed to use it? Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking, and this means easier access to your money and more security. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud of random forests with models that quickly detect suspicious activity, making it faster to alert federal investigators, and they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. This keeps their mobile app up and running. This kind of work doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages occur so engineers can quickly remedy them. Capital One speed up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser to identify payment fields and make using virtual card numbers easier, faster, and more convenient. The potential of machine learning is so big. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Our thanks to Capital One for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish up today with some Ask Upgrade questions. Jonathan asks, with the holidays ending, what do you do with the holiday-specific items you have in HomeKit? We have a smart outlet for Christmas for our Christmas tree The Siri constantly reports isn't responding. I wanted to ask this question, Jason, because yesterday I took down my Christmas tree and we we had the Hue lights. It's a bit of follow-up. Really nice. I like. I was very happy with that purchase. I bought the Hue Christmas lights, remember? Way back oh, when yeah. they came out. Really like them. They are very good. The, you, know, you can obviously go wild with the colors, but they have some really nice effects. I was very happy with my purchase of the Hue Christmas lights. But then this morning, I was doing something in my home kit and it had the little dot and it's like, the Christmas lights aren't responding so, because I've unplugged them and now I don't, like, what am I supposed to do? Do I delete them from home kit? Like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, that's what I do. Is, just remove them? Well, depending, de- depending, I have some, uh, let's see, it varies. When I'm just putting them away, I usually just take them away and I leave them. I don't rename them. Um but if it bothers you, then yeah, you just remove them and then you re-add them next time. Hmm. If you're next time you need to use them. So it really it varies for me. I, I don't do as good a job of that. I have some some like I can't connect to this one uh switches that are just unplugged. Um but you can always just remove them and that'll be fine. You just repair them. It just make sure you've got the little pairing code and it'll be fine. Yeah, but this is yeah, I mean, I, that's probably what I will end up doing. I wish there was just a way to be like, don't worry about this one, you know? Like, just don't worry about this one, it's fine. But I, I agree, I agree. You should be able to, to to put it in timeout or something, but I think the answer is you remove it, and that's how you put it in timeout. Put it in the penalty box? Uh, Yeah, exactly. You, you think about what you've done, which is mm-hmm. your job well. <laughs> Good job, but now it's over. Andrew asks, if you use a MacBook and an external display, do you keep the MacBook open or closed? Personally, I can't stand using a tiny MacBook screen 
next to a big display. It feels off balance. Do you ever do this? Do you ever do this? Like plug your laptop in? No. I okay. used to at work and I started I, I had a I had a stand that was a uh it was a Visa mount for a display and then it had a little laptop thing right next to it. So you could put your laptop in it and it would be kind of like next to your display open. Mm-hmm. And what I very rapidly realized was the little display set back. Uh, I never used it. So then I ran them closed. And then at some point I got rid of that stand and just ran with lid closed. So my answer from back when I did this is I always ran it lid closed. Yeah, I do it exactly the same. So like when I use it right now, it's just like, it just feels, I know I could have extra screen real estate and I do like having multiple screens, but I feel like there has to be some kind of relative size consistency and a 14-inch screen next to a 28-inch screen just feels off, right? Like there's just something about that that's not right to me. So I also will will close it. And like I tried doing the thing where you raise the screen, right? So maybe that would help, but that didn't help either. There was always just an issue with the, with the relative sizing that I did not like. Um, and so I also run uh, lid closed on my laptop when plugged into my studio display every day. Kevin asks... Jason thinks that the regular iPhone 14 will get the Dynamic Island, and Mark Gurman does now too. Mm-hmm. But what about MacBook notches? Dynamic Islands for everyone? I mean, in the long run, on laptops, I mean, we're already there basically for any laptop that matters. So, yes. Uh, but will it be a d- dynamic island? I think no, because I think the menu bar is your dynamic island on the Mac, if that's what Kevin means. And on desktop, uh, I again, I kind of don't see it because the menu bar is there and there's no need to do a cutout on the Mac. So I don't think it's going to happen there. Um, iPad's an interesting question, whether they might do a dynamic island there. But, uh, you know, I don't know iPad is that weird middle child, right? Like, does it yeah. do what the Mac does, or does it right. do what the uh, what, what iPhone does? Because it has a status bar, right? So it could just sort of expand the status bar and use that, and not and not need a dynamic island. Um, or Apple could really push the design on the iPad out even f- closer to the edges of the display and have a cutout and and do the dynamic island. It's really sort of a question of how they want to do it. But on the Mac, the menu bar is the dynamic island. And I think the notch is there as long as they need it to be there. But I think it's just going to be, I don't, I don't see how, I mean, it's possible that they would add a dynamic island to the, to that notch, but it would just basically be like a, around the outsides of it. And I don't know, you're just kind of replicating the Mac menu bar at that point. I don't see the point. Okay. Asked, have you both seen knives out glass onion? What did you think? Uh, Yeah, I loved it. We watched it uh, Christmas night, yeah, Boxing Day night, something like that. Uh, the whole family and we uh, we loved it. Absolute delight of a movie. Uh, no spoilers, particularly. Bring me more um, Benoit Blanc. I want more. I mean, they signed for two movies, so yeah. there will be more Benoit Blanc on Netflix. Well, these movies make me happy because I feel like Daniel Craig is happy. Like, uh huh. I feel like he's only doing like you would only take these movies on for the fun of it. Because he does the accent, which he does not need to do, right? It is not necessary. The accent is like, you know, it's not needed for the character. But he does it. And I just think 
he just looks like he's having a great time in these movies, which makes me happy because I love Daniel Craig. But also these movies are just fantastic. Like, I think they have a proven formula now of like, he goes and does a thing and it's now yep. like a bunch of people whose faces you know or like you really know who they are. You like this time way like bigger budget cost, I feel like, right? Um and yeah, I hope they just continue to make these movies for as long as, you know, Daniel Craig and Ryan Johnson want to make them because this movie like I love Knives Out and Knives Out 2 I think is better than Knives Out in every way even though I already love Knives Out. You know what I mean? Like, I just think they had an increased budget, and I think that that really helped them. the second movie. It's just a treat. It's fantastic. If you, you should go watch it if you haven't already. Watch both of them, you know, if you've not seen them. If you would like to send in an Ask Upgrade question, just click a link in your show notes to submit feedback or go to uh, upgradefeedback.com, or you can send them in with question mark, Ask Upgrade in the Relay FM members Discord. And you can send in your questions to us that way for us to answer on a future episode of the show. If you want to find us online in the meantime, go to sixcolors.com for Jason's work. Mm-hmm. What else? <laughs> the incomparable, obviously. The incomparable. Lots of shows here on Relay FM. But then you know, is, what's the next part for you right now? What what do you mean? Is there like you can is that Jason L? What? What's ne- what's next? At Jason L at Mastodon.social. Is that the correct No, let's one not talk about social. Let's no, just not none do of that. It. I'm, All right. Fine. Follow up. How about this? Mm-hmm. If you want to follow up about anything we talked about, uh, I pay attention to the show follow up channel in the Relay FM member Discord. Lovely. Also fantastic. Uh, and you can get access to that. And you can hear about our experiences of using Freeform for today's episode by going to getupgradeplus.com where you can sign up and become a member and you'll get ad-free longer episodes of Upgrade each and every week. If you want to find me online, you can go to mikehurley.net where you can find all of my various projects. Um, and I'm I'm Mike on Instagram. I'm still going for that one. That's my social place. Uh, but okay. of course, I am here on Relay FM on many shows, and there are long, well, lots of wonderful shows here at Relay FM that you can add to your podcast queue. Thanks again to our sponsors of this week's episode, the fine folk over at Text Expander, Capital One, and ExpressVPN. But most of all, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Early. <laughs>